Oh, you can be seated. We love our family at Rock of Asheville. I tell you, I really don't want to leave. We do have kids at home and a big, great, big dog. But, you know, we, I would. this is my dream city and our dream church. Honestly, if I lived anywhere even close to here, I would be here every Sunday. I yeah. love you guys. What a yeah. beautiful home church. Yeah. What a beautiful house this is. And and the, the staff, the volunteers, yeah. uh, your senior pastors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for that. But, uh, you know, I, this is a wonderful place to call home. Yes. You know, I, they have created such a safe environment for you to be able to establish yourself, to grow your roots down deep, to be able to create community and to develop deep, rich, life-lasting relationships. And something, one of my favorite things about this, and of course all the love that we have for each other, but the presence of God and how you honor the Holy Spirit and just acknowledge Him is the best part. Because He is the one who is mm -hmm. the Father of all of us. And so I just want to acknowledge that, that I sense that when I'm here, that the presence of the Lord is here, and there's nothing more precious to me than that. So we're family. We're not just like family. We are family. Yeah. Good. Hey, this we will come all the time, all whenever the time. you want us. You make a call, we'll come. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this weekend has been a lot of fun. And yes. for all of you, I love your happy face. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. When I think of the weekend, I, you've been here all weekend just smiling, and it's been a joy to, to, to speak. But um, there are just so many happy faces. Yes. But um, this weekend's been a lot of fun. And uh, so they, they've created the hashtag uh, relationship goals, okay? And so uh, it, it, and what we've done is we just kind of journeyed our way through that. And we, uh, we wrote an ebook uh, entitled uh, Communication Goals. Yes. Okay, and so that's here on the screen. Take a picture if you missed the weekend, just take a picture of the screen. And it, there is a free download for that mm -hmm, book. Mm -hmm. And so I'd really, really encourage you to to get the book, read the book. How many here have already downloaded the book or, or asked? Okay, quite a few of you. Good. I'm telling you, we, you do, whether you know it or not, you wake up every morning with a goal to be either liked or to be right or to be in control or to be safe. We want all of those, but there's going to be one of those four that you're going to want more than any of the others, and that you will sacrifice the others in order to have that one primary one, and knowing the order of your gifts and the person you're in relationship with, whether that's your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your hubby, whoever it is, it helps to know how different we are. How many know we're a lot different? But we get to live in harmony when we live out and sing our song without apology, but then understand that someone else's song might be different. So we want you to take So the you'll book. learn all about it in that book. Take, take the book, read it, use it, get to know yourself, yeah. but then also find out how you can serve others. Yes. You know, because a lot of times in our differences, they become a place of friction. And where, the, where there is friction, what happens is you develop a blister. And if that goes unchecked, and blisters are painful, okay? You get a blister on your foot, what do you do? You walk differently, okay? You, you do, and you look like, like, what's wrong with you? And, uh, but that's what happens with blisters. But then if that goes unchecked, what happens is that it creates a callus, which is hard-heartedness. And so in relationships, what I don't want to do is just have friction with one another and, and develop this painful, hurtful place. 
And I definitely don't want to go to a place of hard-heartedness. And so what I want to do is I want to notice what's going on inside of me. And I want to value you. I, I want to make love my highest goal. And so this weekend we talked about noticing. You, what you don't notice, you, you cannot change. And so as we begin to notice these things about others, and I want love to be my highest goal, then I begin to ask this question. How do people experience me? Because sometimes we don't notice our own blind spots. I'm just telling you, it's me, it's you, it's all of us. And so we put a whole chapter in that book. And I, and I, I don't feel bad just telling you to get it because it's free. So it's not that you can't lose. But I mean, there's a chapter in there just about all the, no matter whatever your, happened to be your communication goal in the morning, because you all have one, as I said, you will have certain blind spots that just might be part of your life. What a value. Can you imagine the value it can be to know those and say, Holy Spirit, I am willing for you to work on my blind spots. What a concept. And then begin to develop a communication mission statement. What? For yourself. Okay. And, and what that is, is you want to begin to predetermine how you want this conversation to be experienced, how you want the outcome of this conversation to be, how you want people to experience you, and that in this conversation, they are going to feel valued. They're going to feel loved. So They're going to feel better about themselves because they've had a conversation Just with you. Just being in your presence someone's going to feel more important. They're going to feel more like a treasure just because they were near you. Did you know that that's how the Holy Spirit works because it's Jesus in us? That's who we get to be when we communicate. Even when we have to have those challenging, you know, uh, conversations, you know, when there's been a disagreement, when there's been hurt, but the whole thing is, is that I don't have to prove that you're wrong in order for me to be right. And we talked about resistance. You know, we talked about um, the, the layers of an apology this weekend. All of these are contributing elements for us to begin to develop and to have healthy, right relationships. A relationship is the mutual sharing of life one with another. That, that's, that's the giving and that's also the receiving. And, and a lot of times in re relationships, it takes tremendous humility yes. to receive. If you're unable to receive, then more than likely you're being challenged with an arrogant, prideful heart. And but in relationships, I recognize not only do I need you, but I desire you, I want you, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to prefer you. Yes. Philippians 2, 3 kind of says it all when it comes to relationships. It says, don't be selfish. That's all. Like, no, don't worry about it. Just don't be selfish. But consider others as more important you are as yourself. And then put on the cloak of humility. I like to see humility as a cloak that we wear every day. And when we put on the cloak of humility, all of a sudden that gives us spiritual currency to be able to afford to be in a relationship. So it affords us to be full of love without any kind of restraint. Because when you are humble, you know your own value. It's not too much, it's not too little. It's not you being all full of yourself, it's you being full of Jesus and that you're able to give that to others. So anyway, that was a recap. Mm -hmm. And so when you love someone, then you hold them in high regard. 
When you love someone, you're not waiting for them to pursue you, but rather you're pursuing them. You see, when you love someone, then you're able to serve. You see, and that's the very heart of God. He's pursuing us. In fact, while we were yet sinners and distant and even alienated from God, he pursued me and he loved me. 2 Corinthians 5 speaks about the ministry of reconciliation, being willing to involve yourself with the consequences of another person's choices and to make a way out for them. To reconcile is to take that which is incompatible and make it compatible. You see, that's all about relationship and how I can better understand you, how I can better serve you and come beneath you that you would become strong and that you would be able to stand. In relationship, it creates community. In relationship, we develop family. In relationship, we have healthy marriages. Okay, so let's talk about today. Today. Everyone say today. And today, you are all here, and we have got a plan for you. So what we want to do is take a little bit of personal inventory, all right? So that's, that's something that you're going to begin to Does that to get you excited? Everyone say, personal inventory. That means it's going to be all about me. That <laughs> means you're not going to be able to blame anyone else for your whatever relationships. You're going to say, oh, well, I'm the common denominator of all my relationships, so I'm going to go ahead and take personal inventory. A lot of times we'd love to place blame on the external, on other people, on circumstances. If she only, if he only, if, you know, if my pastor was only nicer, you know, know, whatever it might be. But the whole thing is, is that we really like to take a look at the external. And we like to say, you know what, If, if everyone else would get their act right, I would be fine. (laughs) (laughs) right okay we're not going to do that today well so what we want to do is we want to begin to step back and begin to notice now um it's surprising how uh uh, i'm jumping ahead um and let me just take a look at my notes here real quick oh there we go thank you Okay, get it in order, and we'll make it to the finish line. Um, But uh, taking a look at the external. So what I want to begin with then today is Mark chapter 10. In Mark chapter 10, we hear the story of blind Bartimaeus. Okay, what was his condition? He was, what did he have a difficult doing? Seeing. Very good. All right. It pays to sleep in on Sunday mornings. First service, they're just not as sharp as you all. (laughs) All right. So, line Bartimaeus in uh, Mark chapter 10. I really like this story. Uh, More than likely, uh, historians say that Bartimaeus would have been born blind. In fact, it was probably something that ran throughout their family. Uh, So, blind Bartimaeus, he, he lived a life of routine. Okay? If you were to visit his home... You know, a funny thing might be to move the chairs and tables, but not nice, okay? But it's just like... See, I don't even know how he thinks like that. Like, obviously, I'm always amazed in the dark that I can find my phone. Anyone else? Like, and I'm like, wow, I could be a blind person. I just know exactly. Okay. Okay. All right, so... I don't know why I told you that. Yes. Okay, so here's Bartimaeus. Every day had the same routine. 
He would get up in the morning, walk across the room, make his breakfast, get himself ready. He'd put on his, his, his uh, cloak for the day. He'd step out and he'd head towards the city gate. And there he would sit day after day having conversations, but also creating an income for himself by begging for alms. And this was his daily routine. Mm -hmm. However, this day was unique. It was different for some reason. And when he woke up that morning and he left his home, he entered the city street and it was different. He didn't hear the vendors calling out to sell bread. He didn't have the fresh scent of fresh bread in the air. The children weren't playing in the streets. The streets were quiet and empty. And he thought this was really quite peculiar. He stepped three, four steps across the alleyway and touched the wall with his finger and began to proceed down the street, turning to the right and to the left until he came to the city gate of Jericho. And there he would sit with his friends. One of his friends, his name was Larry. Now, Larry was lame. Bart was blind, Larry was lame. Now, if you read Mark chapter 10, you won't read about Larry. Okay, I'm just creating a little bit in between the lines. But that morning, as he approached the city gate, he calls out to his friend, he says, hey, Larry, like, what's going on? Where is everybody? Now, Larry was a little bit concerned because day after day, they would sit there, and Bartimaeus was so intrigued with this man named Yeshua, Jesus, who is traveling throughout the region of Galilee, and, and, and people were following him. He was feeding the multitudes. He was speaking to storms. The lame would walk, the blind would see, and even the deaf would hear. And day after day, Bartimaeus would say, one day, one day when Jesus comes to my town, I'm going to get to him and I'm going to see. Well, Larry knew something that day, and that was that Jesus was in town. In fact, he was on the east side and he was on his way to Jerusalem. So as he sat there, Larry began to debate, should I tell him or shouldn't I? As he, as he communicated, he said, Bartimaeus, you know what? Jesus is in town. What? Well, I'm telling you, <laughs> this guy gets so excited, he's a chatterbox all morning long. It's like, Jesus is here. Je yes. Where yes. is he? Where is he going? Well, he sat there, and all of a sudden, he begins to hear a commotion off in the distance. That's right. He really grabs cool. Larry, and he says, Larry, he says, tell me what's going on. You know I don't see very well. Larry begins to describe to him the children dancing in the street. Mm. You know, the cloud of dust, the vendors that were all around trying to sell their goods. And Bartimaeus says, no, no, no. Where is Jesus? Jesus is there in the midst of them, and he's smiling. Wow. As the commotion drew near, Bartimaeus could no longer contain his excitement. And he jumps to his feet, and at the top of his lungs, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. But the crowd surrounding Jesus, they turn and they point their finger in scorn. And they say, Bartimaeus, you sit down. You be quiet. You're damaged. You're blind. And I like to see Bartimaeus sitting down. But he had a friend. 
Larry just jabs him one in the ribs and he says, louder Bartimaeus, louder. <laughs> he jumps to his feet and he cries out, Jesus! Jesus stops and with a chuckle in his voice, he says, who is this man? Tell him to come here. <laughs> the very same crowd that just moments earlier told him to sit down and be quiet. Yeah. Now they turn around and scripture says, they said this, Bartimaeus, cheer up. Jesus wants to see you. Yeah, those people drive me crazy. You know what I mean? Because they think they're always right. Okay, you had to be here this weekend. <laughs> All right. Bartimaeus gets up from the street curb, walks through the crowd, but then he comes to Jesus. He touches his face. He shoulders his hands. And he drops to his knees. But Jesus, with a smile in his voice, lifts his face, and he asks Bartimaeus this question. Bartimaeus, what do you want? Yes, yes. And to you and I, it would seem so obvious. But the translation better says it this way. Bartimaeus, what are you willing for me to do for you? In this moment, Bartimaeus, everything can change. No longer will your life be the way it has been. What are you willing for me to do for you? Bartimaeus, I can see him just like this. You know, that's kind of what I saw. But with tears rolling down his face, he says, Jesus, I want to see. And immediately, Bartimaeus you, could see. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that Thank awesome? You, now, let me just back up Thank a little you, bit because there's one key component to that story that so many miss, and it's this. When Bartimaeus left the street curb, Scripture says that he removed his garment. Why is that so important? Well, I'm glad you asked. Why that's so important is because the garment that Bartimaeus wore would have been issued to him by Roman rule. The garment that Bartimaeus wore would have been his identity. It would have identified him as a legitimate yeah. blind man yeah. worthy of receiving alms. Mm -hmm. The garment that Bartimaeus wore was his source of income. The garment that he wore, he would put on day after day after day. It was his income. It was his life. It was everything that he was familiar with. But when he left that street curb, he says, I'm going to leave that life behind because I'm going to Jesus. I'm telling you, it was only but a moment before somebody else picked that garment up because they saw it as an opportunity. Yes, yes. But he saw it as a life I'm going to leave behind because I'm going to see. So then here's the question. What garment do you wear 
that is limiting you or preventing you from getting to Jesus and gaining new sight? What garment do you wear that you're so familiar with, that you're so comfortable with? A lot of times they call it secondary gain. A lot of people will remain in sickness, they'll remain in pain simply because of secondary gain. Meaning that this is my way of manipulating others to get what I believe I need. Bartimaeus says, I don't want this life. I don't want this to identify me. I want to begin to remove the limits on my life. Therefore, I'm willing to risk all. I'm willing to risk what is familiar to me, what I would classify as safe. And I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm going to press through all religious opposition. I'm going to fight the crowds. I'm going to swim against the current, whatever it might be, whatever it takes. But I'm going to leave that life behind, and I'm going to pursue him. Jesus, open my eyes. I want to see. In my life, I want to see you differently. In my life, I want to see others differently. In my life, I want to see my wife, my children. I want to see my past different. I want to see my future different. Jesus, open my eyes. I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. In my life, in our life, in our marriage, we hit a crisis 17 years ago that had the potential of sheer um, um, devastation. We hit a point of despair. And a place of despair is simply, there is no hope. Yes. But I'm telling you that in this house, in this place, you're amongst a community of hope. Mm -hmm. Don't allow your present circumstances to determine or dictate your future. Let them fight with you. Let them stand with you. And that's what I had in my life. I want to show uh, to you our family picture. And can I jump in here, honey? Let me just one one second. This this is our family, okay? This is our family. And um, uh, we got got four dynamic children, even though you'll count five, because now I got a new one. And that's my uh, daughter, Tessa, who is my son's wife. At the very back. Okay, at the very back in the white jumping. So (laughs) anyway, that's my family. You're the cutest one, honey, right there. Thank you, babe. I like you, yeah. Here's the thing, 16 years ago, I couldn't see that picture. And I'm going to tell you why. And I almost threw it away, but somebody else could. Okay, now I'm going to jump in because I just want to tell the story for those who haven't heard it. 16 years into our marriage, we were pastoring a church. We love Jesus. We're in ministry all our life. We just want to love on Jesus. And I... I had a sexual affair, something I never dreamed I was even capable of. I would even tell you, I would think that I was immune of that. I love God. I love my husband. I would never do that. Whenever you say the words, I would never, it's spiritual pride. Remember we were talking about humility easier earlier? I would never do that. Well, then you're opening the door for pride to come before a fall. Never expected it would be me. 
I, I, I asked God to forgive me, but most of all, it lasted three weeks, and then I, in their brokenness, I came to Bob, and we cried out to the Lord together. The pain, the betrayal of this infidelity broke our hearts, and God, when we cry out with him in our brokenness, he rescues us every single time. Does that mean the pain went away immediately? Does it mean it all happened in a moment? But he came to us and says, I'm going to walk this through with you. And two weeks later, we found out that as a result of that affair, I had become pregnant. And this baby would not look like the other kids. And our other kids were older. And that's when everything changed for me because all of a sudden, the identity I had been wearing up till that point was, I am the Jesus girl. I'm the mom that their kids love. I'm that kind of mom. I'm the worship leader. I'm the children's person. I, I just love people. That's all I want to do. But now I am pregnant. Therefore, I have to wear this new garment, and it's called shame. Audrey, adulterer. It was so real. When I walked out of that, gar that, that doctor's office, I thought, I'm going to be known for the rest of my life for the most stupid and selfish thing I ever did. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus loves us on our worst day. He loves us on our worst day. And the question to me was the same as Bart. Are you, what are you willing for me to do for you? And you know what? It was a journey of a couple years. But there was a moment in God's presence when I had been wearing that shame cloak every day. I was putting on that cloak of shame because I had to. I deserved to. I, I, I needed to wear it to own what I did. But then a couple years in the presence of God, I, I really had a moment with Jesus. And he says, Audrey, will you let me wear that for you? Will you let me wear that awful garment for you? And I said, no, that's too much, Jesus. I need to wear this because I did that. And he said, Audrey, I died for your sin and your shame. He says, let me take that from you and wear that for you because I want to give you a new cloak of my righteousness that is perfectly clean. It was never your righteousness anyway. And he gave us beauty for ashes. Weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And my identity was changed in a moment when I took on who Jesus says I am. I love, I, thank you. Wherever we go, we love sharing that story simply because it gives us a platform to be able to pronounce to you that our Redeemer lives, your Redeemer lives. So say with me, my, my Redeemer, Redeemer lives. And really quickly on the family picture, that's, do yeah, we have to I can take the story? Care of, yep, okay, okay, good. Oh, I almost forgot. I got so wrapped up. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, you know, because uh, I know there's someone in here that needed to hear that, you guys. Yes. What, are you willing? Are you willing, my sweet, beautiful friend, to be done carrying that cloak? Because this could be your day when yeah. Jesus takes that for you. I am passionate yes. about that for you. Yeah. This is a Holy Spirit moment. Because he's asking you today, and he's saying, I will wear it for you if you'll let me. I will wear that for you if you'll let me. So in the family picture, my uh, youngest, Robert, is there in the middle. And I gave him the name Robert because that's my name. Because he's my son. 
And I don't want him to ever question one day in his life whose son he is. He's mine. His middle name, his middle name is Theodore, which is divine gift, because he's not an accident. He's not a mistake. He's not the result of a sexual affair, but just like my other three children born out of the heart of God and entrusted to us, we're a family. He belongs. We belong. Now, here's the thing. I battled through a lot of difficulties because I was angry, okay, because this is what she did to me. And I couldn't get the images out of my mind. I mean, it was difficult. And the garment that I wore was a victim. That was my garment. And the whole thing is, is that if you were to meet me years ago, you'd say, Bob, why are you so sad? You know, how come you're so depressed? Like, what's wrong? And I'd say, you know what? Let me tell you what my wife did. You see, and I'd put that garment on. You see, I'm a victim to the circumstances of life. But when I cried out and I had to fight, I had to get through to get to Jesus. Yes. But he began to open my eyes. But there had to be a willingness. Bob, what are you willing? Jesus would say, Bob, what are you willing for me to do for you? If so, you've got to be willing to let that go to create a capacity for the extravagance of my love. You've got to be willing to let that go if you're going to take hold of me. It's amazing in our lives how easily we can visualize and see worst-case scenario. We can see things negative. We can see things stressful. We can see things with anxiety. We can see things of, of fear of the future, worry, doubt. I mean, those images are strong. Did you know that worry is actually meditation, meditating? Worry is actually meditating on the worst possible outcome. So our question then today is this, what will you choose to, to see? see? What okay, are you what willing? What position are yes. you willing to place yourself in? Because in these last minutes, what we want to do is move you quickly through a place where, hey, I can begin to do something. Yes, that's I can, practical. I can begin to take every thought captive. This is just a new thought for me. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Right away, we begin to think negative. Take every negative thought to the obedience of Christ. No, it says take every thought. In other words, Holy Spirit is leading and guiding your life. And he's, and he's prompting you to embrace his truth to experience his grace. So take every thought, even the good ones, and then step into obedience with that thought. Isn't that good? Okay. So let's look at Colossians 3 really quickly here. This, about two years ago, I felt led to memorize an entire chapter. I don't know if you've done that before, but that just started a whole journey for me of what it means to memorize. What happens when I memorize, something gets deeper inside of me. I'm not saying it all works for everyone else, but I'm, I am asking you to consider this in your life because instead of just uh, memorizing words, I had to create a visual. We're talking about seeing today. I had to create a visual that made this verse come alive so that I would just have to watch a movie instead of memorizing words. Do you know what I mean? Like if I have a movie in my imagination, a memorizing movie, I just have to tell you what I've seen in that movie and I've got the thing. It's amazing. I could go on and on. I'm very excited about this. As you can tell, I get quite passionate. But anyway, Colossians 3, I thought I'm going to memorize that whole chapter. I quickly had to make a movie. And so it starts like that. It says, since I have been raised... 
I couldn't remember the word raised, and I thought, what raises, what raises? An elevator raises. Okay, so since I've been, so I imagine myself, I've been raised in an elevator, okay. So since I've been raised to a, and I turned, and there was a whole new pathway, a new life in Christ, and there was a sign that said, new life with Christ. So since I've been raised to this new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. So I took a pair of glasses in my own heart, and I thought, oh my gosh, I can set my sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand, and then I'm going to think about earthly things. I mean, I'm going to think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Okay, so this happened to me, and I started to see different, but I was challenged because I wanted to spend the whole day thinking about things about heaven, but it was hard. Why? Because they're invisible. Have you ever had this issue? We live on an earth where things are visible and tangible, and I'm thinking, well, I don't see heaven for real. Like, I have to, you know, imagine or, or get it from God or something, but if I'm going to think about heavenly things, I've got to get a visual, like an actual visual to see this. Because in the earth, we have a motto that is, seeing is believing. From a heavenly perspective, let's turn that around and say, believing is seeing. When you take that step of faith, throw off your garment, start walking to Jesus and say, you know what? As of today, I'm going to see different. I'm going to set my sights on the realities of heaven and what was invisible to become visible because I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. So with the Holy Spirit living inside of me, this started to change my life around because the Lord started to give me visuals of what it looked like to live this out, not just say the scripture, but to live it out. I'm a super practical person. So what I did was I imagined myself waking up in the morning and letting Holy Spirit Audrey drive the car. Holy Spirit Audrey is full of wisdom, favor, excellence, goodness, grace, forgiveness, patience, kindness, prosperity, all of this stuff. Holy Spirit has it all because he is everything. But guess what? There's other people in the car. Emotions wants to drive the car. In fact, emotions is, is often really grabbing the wheel and saying, no, because I'm so mad or I'm so sad or whatever. But you know what? We don't, we say holy. Every day I wake up and submit, my emotions are surrendered to Holy Spirit Audrey. My mind and all my thoughts and my busyness and my busy thoughts are surrendered to Holy Spirit Audrey. And you know who else is in the car? Will. I have a strong will, which is a great thing, but will must be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. My body needs to be surrendered. So when you are having a funky moment, say, oh my gosh, who's driving the car right now? It's either your emotions, your mind, your will, or your body, or it might be the calendar or time. Those are the other two things in my car. Because the calendar wants to say, oh, you can't do that because this, 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 this. Oh, you don't have time for that, 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 that. And it wants to drive my life. But the peace of Jesus says, don't do the things that are urgent do the things that are important. Holy Spirit, you is full of everything you need for every single day. There's one other little guy in the, in the, in the car. Okay, I know you guys don't, don't call me crazy, but seriously, this helps me. It's ego. Ego is the worst person because ego, Audrey, wants to be is selfish and insecure and wants to impress people or, or compare myself with people and all this stuff that just gets me into a lot of discouragement. But ego, Audrey, is actually in the trunk. It's a good place to keep your ego. 
So when you wake up, I, the Lord just gave me this strategy of seeing that I can wake up and surrender to the Holy Spirit and let Holy Spirit Audrey drive the car. That's just one of many visuals, and I just wrote that book, Wake Up Smiling, because it, this whole thing of Colossians 3 has changed when I set my sights on the realities of heaven where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, which means because of his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension to the Father, I can live a limitless, heaven-filled life resting under an open heaven. That's the Holy Spirit calling that we have. So the question today is the word willing. What are you willing for him to do for you? Are you willing him for him to be that much glory in your life? One of the hardest things for people to do is to apply change to their life because they're stepping outside of what is familiar or what is perceived as being safe. Even if it's limiting, at least I can manage that. You know, some people in, in, in very uh, destructive and abusive relationships, they'll remain within that just because at least I know and I can manage that. But my question to you today is this. What are you willing to lay aside, to press through that you would get to Jesus yourself? Because I can't go there for you. But what he wants to do is he wants to heal your broken heart. And in healing your broken heart, he's going to give you new sight. Yes. You're going to begin to see from a whole new vantage point, all of a sudden his view and opinion of you yes. becomes your reality. All of a sudden you begin to experience the divine exchange of your life for his life. And you're going to start to see every day different because every morning there's new mercies for you to start a brand new day. We believe and pray that this has been a divine yeah. appointment for you to just draw a line in the sand and says, as of this moment on, I am Holy Spirit, man, Holy Spirit, whatever, whoever you are, woman, girl. And this is our day to surrender and say, I'm willing to be that. Thank you so, so much. So in this moment, let's okay. just take a moment. Pastor, would you join us here? Would you just take a moment, kind of put your things down, close your eyes, and this is your moment where you're able just to simply say, Jesus, here I am. All I have, yes. all I am is yours. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, Bob and Audrey. So good, huh? So good. I want to take a moment and pray together. Uh, you know, one of the things that I have come to love about Bob and Audrey is uh, they they have such great insight, but they're they're never giving us a list of behaviors to change. Uh, they're always after our heart, and and I find myself often when I want to get on a path and get somewhere, it's like I got to change this or adjust that or quit doing that or start doing this and. And, and to always keep coming back to the idea that it, it's Christianity is not just behavior change. Christianity is heart change. And once your heart changes, your behavior changes as a result of that heart being changed. And I love this story that uh, they're sharing today about blind Bartimaeus. Seems so obvious what he needed that Jesus is still saying to him, 
What do you want? What are you willing to allow me to do for you? And I just believe that there are many of us in this room that we, we are either carrying uh, sorrow or we're carrying difficulty or we're carrying something in our life or maybe, maybe we just, uh, are, just don't feel connected or strong hope for our future. And uh, I believe today God wants to do something that sets us free sets us free on the inside. So I want, I want to take a moment to pray. I would like for everyone just to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I want to give this opportunity for everyone in the room to respond to Jesus. Jesus is walking through these aisles just the same as he was walking down the street with blind Bartimaeus. And there, are, there were people probably who could have received something from him but didn't because they were not willing to reach out for it. But today, I wanna encourage you to open your heart and reach out for something from God. Maybe you're here today and you've never just surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you've thought is, I gotta get my act together and uh, once I can start to do things right, but that's not the way it works. He's not asking you to get your act together. He's asking you to open your heart. He's asking you to surrender your heart to him. He'll work on getting your act together. Maybe you're here today and there used to be a day when you really were close to the Lord. There used to be a day when you felt passion for the things of God, where you were on fire for God, where you're in love with God and the things of God, but you know you're not there now. Something's happened, maybe you've drifted, maybe a hurt has come, maybe a thing has happened, but now you know that you are not in the place you used to be and now it's time for you to come home to this God who loves you. And maybe you're just here and you don't, you don't know, you just, but you don't feel confident about where you stand with God. I would love to pray with you today. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you say, Pastor, would you, would you pray with me? And let's start this journey together. I want to give my life to Christ, or I, I just want to come back to Him, or I want to know for sure I'm right with God. I would love to pray with you. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? God bless you right here. Come on, God bless you right here. The, not, not a call for you to get your act together, a call for you to surrender. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift your hand as high as you can. Be brave before the Lord. Maybe more important than me seeing your hand and praying for you is God seeing your hand, your heart, and just he is longing to run to you to help you. To lift you. Is there anybody else that would just in this moment? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Come on, all over the room. Thank you, guys. What a moment when you start to realize that there's a God who loves you, who's for you, and that you do not have to live life on your own any longer where you really can just rest, just trust in this amazing God working your life. Is there anybody else that just says, I, I need that, I, I need that. I'm tired of trying to do this myself. I'm tired of trying to make this happen. I need that kind of relationship. Thank you.
I want us all to pray this prayer together. This is really for everyone who lifted their hand, but I would love for us all just to join together and let's pray these words together. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart, I open my life to you. I want you, I need you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned, I've messed up, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning as I surrender to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, could we thank the Lord right now?